the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for a 90-day free trial and 40% off your annual subscription. That's $2.99 a month from there after I've been there all morning, getting my daily dose of sports updates, including a great piece on anyone who watched The Last Dance last night, the transition from baseball to basketball from Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Lee from The Athletic. Great piece on how Jordan reconstructed his body for baseball and had to flip the switch back for basketball and the process that took and the angst that I'm sure that took. So that's just one of those pieces. Plenty of COVID-19 updates, uh, a little bit of which we're going to get to in a few minutes here from the baseball side of things. Of course, your NFL daily doses, breaking down the draft still, all those draft signings that are coming in, how that's impacting rosters. We had a couple of big releases last week, which we can get to a little bit this week as well. Um, And we will talk a little bit about the rookie contracts in the NFL and things like that uh, when we bring in Scott Allen in a few minutes. But visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Plenty to talk about. I'm telling you, the baseball stuff is really starting to heat up. All right. I mentioned it already. The big news today coming out is the agreement, the deal that is being pushed to the Major League Baseball Players Association, which sort of outlines in a little bit more detail than we've seen thus far how this thing can, can sort of get off the ground. The, the crux of the deal is basically the middle of June, so around the 15th or 16th of June, teams will be given the opportunity to reopen spring training. They'll be able to do that either in their hometowns or you know, in their spring training facility in Florida or Arizona. Just, I think Arizona is probably going to be the hot spot because of the, well, the lack of the COVID, the space, the facility that's there that they can control from a health standpoint. I would imagine many of your of your teams, your Mets and your Yankees, won't be going to their local ballparks right now with the situation that New York is in. And I would imagine the Cal- the you know the Bay Area teams out in California would also have to follow suit and get out of town for the time being, even in the middle of June. It just doesn't seem like those facilities will be ready at that point. But two three weeks of spring training. And uh, as long as all goes well and, and, you know, they can contain the health situation within the uh, organizations, not, you know, not just players, but staff and everything it takes to get this thing off the ground. And it sounds like between July 1st and July 4th, we will have some live baseball, fanless live baseball. Fanless is a big part of this because as we flip the switch to the financial discussion, baseball is a big, a big attendance <laughs> revenue league. It just is. It, it, it sounds like the numbers that are coming out, it sounds like concessions, attendance, parking, it's about 40% of these teams' revenue, these owners' revenues on an annual basis. So it sounds like that they're prepared to forfeit that just to get this thing off the ground, which makes sense. I mean, you want to play baseball. It, from a player standpoint, the big agreement that has come forth, and I'm quoting from Bob Nightingale, USA Today here, His sources are telling him that the agreement being pushed to the Players Association right now, this is Monday evening, May 11th, states that any revenue earned for the remainder of the 2020 season will be a 50-50 split between the owners and the players, which that doesn't happen in baseball. And none of the CBAs have ever given the players any sort of revenue split. It's just not how that that league is operating. You know, there's been guaranteed salaries, and the trade-off is the owners can go and make their money however they make their money. 
that's worked for a lot of years. So yes, this is a temporary situation, but that's a big step. That's a big concession from both from the owners, obviously. So that's something to keep in mind going forward. Now, you know, the devil's advocate side of this is the other big notion here is that because of an 82 game season, which is what they're recommending somewhere between 80 and 82 games, which is half, that's half the regular season. The players association in March already agreed to prorated salaries. So, you know, if you're making 30 million a year in 2020 on your, on your base salary, that is now down to at 15. We're assuming we can get half this regular season going I'm taking all the what-ifs out of it at this point. I'm just laying out the details of the agreement, and this agreement is as if this thing can go forward in the middle of June, games in July. So they're reducing salaries pretty much exactly 50%. Um, and then clearly, you know, there'll be playoff revenues going forward after that, and playoffs are a big part of this. They're going to expand the playoff teams from 10 to 14, adding an extra wild card round. So there'll be a little bit more playoff, which that makes sense. Shortened season. I think they want to do that anyway, long-term. This might be, you know, a change for the, for the future as well. And oh, by the way, this revenue split thing, you know, don't count this out. The fact that this could be a, look, these leagues are going to have to safeguard this. This is, I know this is a very unique situation, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, corporations, there's a lot of facets of our lives that just weren't prepared for this. And sports is one of them. There's no question sports is one of them. And the fact that they had to shut it right down and haven't been able to really pick these pieces back up in a methodical way. I mean, they're doing this on the fly right now. They are putting together the plans as we speak. And these plans won't be just for 2020. These will be foundations for plans going forward in the event that this happens again or something like this happens again this will be some sort of pandemic protocol now for sports to follow going forward i would have to imagine that the players would like a piece of this revenue all the time you know every other sport gets that the nfl is inching towards 50 percent. the nhl is eh, not quite there nba is right there uh, this is a way for the Major League Baseball Players Association to step in and say, we got to protect ourselves. I, I know our contracts are guaranteed, and that's, you know, that's something the NFL doesn't get. That's something a lot of the, some of the other leagues don't get. Certainly the basketball players do, and they're going through a similar process where they're starting in four days here. Anyone who's paid biweekly or, excuse me, bimonthly every, every two weeks, they're seeing a significant cut in their pay in the NBA. So once they get a plan in place to actually play some games, if it does happen... I'm sure we'll be having the same discussion as we're having right now with baseball, where prorated salaries for the remainder of the games, expanded playoffs, so you can make some of the revenue back if your team qualifies for the playoffs. All that's going to be in place, I would imagine, with the NBA. And baseball sort of taking the lead here because they believe they have a plan in place that can get off the ground in a month, which is about where we are here, a month off from their proposed spring training. So expanded playoffs, you can have 14 teams eligible for that. They're going to keep the conferences, you know, your leagues, your American League, your National League. They're going to keep the division structure, which I thought that was for sure something that was going to get blown up here and maybe not even just for this year. But they're going to keep it intact. And basically what's going to happen is you're going to play your division and your corresponding geographical division. So the, the AL East, the Yankees, the, the Orioles, the Rays, the Blue Jays will play a lot of games. And then they will play the Mets, the Nationals, the Phillies, and the Marlins. And that will be sort of the, 
that'll be their season, their regular season right there. It's not going to reach out any farther than that. Playoffs will be a different story. But that's the plan for July and August for Major League Baseball. It's going to be your division and your geographical counterpart in the other con- in the other league. Makes sense? Um, they're going to try to get 80 games in. I think that's ambitious, but they have a plan in place. That's where we are right now. Prorated salaries, so it's going to be pretty much half your base salary. So anyone on SpotTrack you see earning X dollars in 2020, we're not going to update anything at this point. We're going to keep the full salaries there. What we'll do is at the end of the year, we'll go back and we'll update the cash earned. So their payroll salary will remain the same because everything I'm reading, I haven't been able to get this confirmed quite yet, but I'm going to imagine that you know your payroll caps, your luxury tax thresholds, all that's going to remain in play. All the numbers are going to look as if it's a full season, but cash earned will be 50%, minimum 50% based on the, uh, the outline here. So from when you're looking at SpotTrack, you're going to see, you know, Max Scherzer is still going to be making $34 million. We know he's not going to be making that from a cash perspective. So we will, we will chop that off whenever this thing finishes off and we have actual numbers and we can tack on some playoff money and things like that. But uh, for now, we're going to keep it as is. And certainly this is all just proposed. None of this is official and nothing's officially official until it can actually happen. And, you know, states can agree to this and, and the health situation is contained in all of these facilities because they, they do want to play major league baseball games in the actual stadiums. So while spring training can be contained in Arizona, like I mentioned, they want to have regular games in regular stadiums. So, you know, the Yankees will play in, in the Bronx, the Mets will play in Queens. Uh, that is the plan. That's what we're, that's, what's being proposed right now as we speak here. So um, active rosters, it says they're going to jump those up. So it was already taken a step up from 25 to 26. It sounds like for this season, for this prorated season, they're going to make it 30 and there'll be a 20 man taxi squad because boy, I don't want to get into it, but it sure sounds like minor league baseball. Not only is it not going to happen this season, but it sounds like it may not happen ever again <laughs> for a lot of places. There are there's a lot of these teams that were such razor thin margins that it's just going to be very, very hard for them to ever come back from this from a financial standpoint. They relied on so much of the, of the attendance and the concessions, the promotions, and uh, there, were, there just wasn't any help. There wasn't any trickle down from the, from Major League Baseball, and not that Major League Baseball really has the, you know, the capacity to do anything about it right now. I mean, I'm certainly that's something they can address going forward. But I would imagine that, you know, anyone in AAA who thought they were playing baseball this year, they're they're hoping to be on this 20 man taxi squad, so that they'll be eligible to be flipped up and down to this Major League roster, which is now going to be 30. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Another good, by the way, another good change. Expand your roster. Don't let these guys, we don't want people bouncing up and down like generally happens on a daily basis and throughout the baseball season. We want these guys all contained together and uh, you want to be able to cover yourself for injuries and fatigue and all that stuff because who knows what kind of shape these guys are. I mean, and I can't blame them. I mean, everybody is in a different living situation right now. Not everybody's going to have access to professional training capability right now. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm working out of a a basement gym right now. I certainly couldn't get myself ready for a baseball season. I'm doing a little bit of outdoor running, but if you're, if you're in an urban setting where, you know, you're really not even allowed to go down the road for a cup of coffee, you can't really blame those people for showing up to some sort of spring training in a month and being, you know, weeks away from being game ready. That's just going to be a reality for some people. 
and uh, I'm sure they're doing the best they can. This is certainly positive that a month out, there's some sort of plan being put in front of the union so that if this thing goes through and they're being told, you know, let's all treat the next month as if this thing's going to happen, you know, and, and until somebody tells you otherwise, let's get into gear. I'm going to imagine you're going to see some, you know, Major League Baseball work with some local communities to say, we need to open up, you know, we need to rent out this space and quarantine it and clean it and get it ready so that X players can work out there and get themselves game ready. You're just going to see that kind of stuff come together from a community standpoint so that these guys can start to train on a more professional level. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a big concern once you get this thing off the ground on July 1st of injuries. You know, guys running out of ball or ground ball to <laughs> down first base and, We've seen those hamstrings pull many a times. Uh, you, you know, you gotta be, you got to be in peak shape to really push yourself in this game uh, because of the stop and start. It's not a continuous flow like a soccer game or a, or a, hockey, a hockey game or you know, things like that where it's more of a marathon, not a sprint. When you've got guys that are going from A to Z, 0 to 60, that's when the injuries tend to happen, not to mention the change in weather patterns. I mean, I'm out on the East Coast right now. It's 40 and with a chance of snow tonight. I know a lot of you on the West Coast are dealing with sunny golf weather so there's that of course um if you know you're living on the west coast but you're playing for an east coast team that change in weather is going to be a part of this so there's just a lot of factors that go into the next month just to get to the spring training process and then of course the july 1st when they want to get this thing off the ground but from a money standpoint it sounds like 50 percent of the salaries are gone any revenue earned for the remainder of whatever is played will be split 50 50 between players and owners which is a big deal for both sides. That's a big concession, but you can understand it in the times. Um, rosters will adjust the 30 men with a 20 men minor league squad that will, I assume, be, you know, sitting in the stands or they, they'll be available. Let's let's put it that way. They are not going to be far away. Um, that's going to be a situation where you can just bring a guy in on a day's notice and they'll be available and ready to roll. Um, a universal DH most likely will be part of this vote. So you don't want pitchers batting right now. Makes a lot of sense for all of baseball, not just COVID-19 version of baseball. Um, and then the expanded playoffs. Extra wild card round, 10 to 14 teams. I expect that to stick for the rest of uh, years to come. That's not going to be a temporary thing. That They've been wanting to do that from a TV standpoint, from a revenue standpoint. That's going to be a thing, I would imagine. Um, if they have to extend this season, I mean, can you imagine that we're watching football Thanksgiving weekend and the World Series? I, I have to think this is possible if this thing has to push back and they're expanding, you know, playoffs and all that stuff. Um, so keep an eye out for the scheduling part of it. That's going to get very interesting, especially like I mentioned with the weather on the East Coast. You've got a Yankees, boy. I mean, I could say Mets. I'm a Mets homer. Let's say there's a Yankees-Mets World Series. How in the world do you handle that in November? <laughs> uh, it's entertaining for sure. But that's the nuts and bolts that's being proposed right now. It's good to see that something's starting to come together. I'm not going to speak from the health standpoint of all. We all know the what-ifs that stand around this and, and what every single league and every single corporation and every single you know family setting is dealing with right now. We just went through a Mother's Day weekend that I'm sure a lot of us didn't appreciate. So we're all ready to get out of the house and get back to some normalcy. I will take baseball on TV if they can make it happen. So this is great news for me. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's great news for a lot of you out there. So keep it up on, on that. We'll bring that back as soon as uh, there's some more clarity with it. There's an approval. I imagine this thing gets approved 
and maybe a little bit of back and forth just to get some nuts and bolts worked out. But my guess is they're not trying to push back and politicize this thing too much. They just want to get a plan in place so that, like I said, you can start to work from a roster standpoint to see who's where, <laughs> you know, how do we get player X from A to Z? When are we going to report? Where are we going to report? How can we get these guys trained and, and in shape so that there's not injuries the whole couple of first weeks of July? Uh, just a lot to get to there. But of course, all surrounds the health status at that point in time. So good news that there's something coming together and uh, we will certainly keep you posted from there out. Well, most sports are currently at a standstill. It's never too early to start preparing your updated fantasy football draft roster. And there's no better resource than Fantasy Pros. With their flagship draft wizard, Mock Draft Simulator, you can customize any format that your fantasy league plays. Run mock drafts in a matter of minutes against realistic opponents and prepare for any scenario your draft might face. Everything's going to be updated. We've got rookies, we've got UDFAs. There's plenty to deal with right now, especially if you're a dynasty draft. And, you know, extensions like Deshaun Watson will matter to you. Get in there, start cranking the numbers out, start figuring out what the heck is about to happen here as we push towards the, uh, you know, the, the preseason schedule and things like that. It's going to come soon, especially with nothing else going on. So keep up with it on Fantasy Pros. Visit fantasypros.com slash spottrack-nfl today. Get a head start on your competition. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash spottrack-nfl. All right, happy to be joined again by the other piece of the Spot Track puzzle, Scott Allen. Scott, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Where do you want to start today, sir? The Last Dance? Yeah, we can start with that today. Did you stay up? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I watched it all. This quarantine started yeah. to ride on me a little bit. This uh, mm. split between being a fourth grade teacher and uh, <laughs> keeping <laughs> up with all this data is really starting to ride on me. But I made it. Um, these were really... Uh, well done episodes tons of content tons of emotion jordan was uh you know about as candid as we all i think wanted him to be and i I don't know i just i I listened to some stuff today about it i just didn't take away anything groundbreaking i mean (laughs) he's competitive and he wasn't apologizing for it that's fine you know we've all been around athletes that have been you know we knew we're going on to bigger and better things whether it's high division one sports or, you know, into the minor leagues with, you know, it was their, their life, whatever they were doing, whether it was a baseball game or a soccer game, whatever it was, a football game, those people weren't pleasant. <laughs> they, they had a goal. And if you sucked, they were going to tell you you sucked. And I'm, I was totally fine yeah. with that. And I was totally fine with Jordan admitting to that. And I was totally fine with the people who responded to it last night. I thought, BJ, you know, the BJ Armstrongs, and all these teammates who basically just said, you know, they, I, I, in fact, I guess it was funny that it was never really said, but the only thing that needs to be said here about this is he can say whatever he wants because <laughs> he's going out there right. and scoring 55. And, you know, it's not like Rodman, where if Rodman were this kind of, you know, if Rodman were competitive and in people's faces about their, the way they were playing ball, that wouldn't fly. Because, no. you know, Rodman didn't lead by example. He, In his own little way, he did his piece, and he did it better than pretty much anyone in the game at that point. But, I mean, Jordan did everything. He did absolutely everything you asked of him. And I, actually, Jordan did sp- respond to this once, and I think the quote was something like, whatever they were mad about or whatever I was mad at them about, it wasn't because I wasn't doing it. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I was already doing yeah. it. 
I was always work. I was already working as hard as I was expecting myself to be. So it's it's you know, if I'm expecting you to be the same, that's on you, not me. So mm-hmm. I uh, yeah exactly yeah that was my takeaway. I wasn't blown away by it, but I thought it was very very well done. Any any uh thing to comment on there? Uh, I I agree with what you're saying. I found that the footage of the Space Jam, uh, the court oh that they built for them, God. we've we, we've heard about it, or at least I've heard about it before, but had never seen anything with it. And to actually see the facility that was constructed right on set, I mean, it was awesome to see the footage of them actually playing. Um, and I, the the competitiveness, like you said, yeah. is just unbelievable and it makes you see why some of the other players in not just Jordan, but other leagues like the NFL or, you know, all those goats, the competitiveness in them has to be at some level like he has. I mean, obviously like the Tom Brady stuff and the TB 12 and all all that, I mean, that competitive aspect. I mean, if there's a documentary on him, with the things that he's probably said to to players uh, or even coaches that we've seen on the sideline, I mean, he, he should yeah. sell the self help book, right? Yeah, with Jordanisms. Um, I want to go back to the Space Jam real quick because that's a really good point that came out. It was really interesting. I've seen, I have seen it before from the the pop culture side of it that has come out, um, but I had not seen footage of the games. That that's pretty much what. That's like the dream NBA All Star game. Guys carrying that much, mm-hmm. th- the best players in the game carrying that much, not caring about being injured, just caring about pride and ego. Like that's what, that's what we all want the Elsar game to be, and it'll never be that ever. No, but well, I don't even think you would see something like that now. No, there'd be too much insurance and injury risk. Yeah. You, yeah. Teams would never allow it. It's probably written in the contracts that they can't do stuff like that for the most part. Um, yeah, that was really uh, an underrated part of the whole entire two uh, two episodes last night. Yeah, I think the uh, the other thing that I took away, which I didn't even realize, uh, was him playing with number forty five for oh yeah, some a little too young for that. For huh? some reason, for some reason, I didn't realize it or didn't recognize. But when that aspect came out, I mean, it was super interesting, and the fact that he and himself knew that something was off with it, and yeah. midstream changed back to twenty three. I mean, that that goes to show you that level of detail that was in his mind totally yeah it's a really good point uh the baseball stuff catch you at all i warned you last week that he could play ball <laughs> I, I warned you um yeah. i remember it vividly because obviously as a baseball guy you know we had somebody like that coming over you're you're just i i thought the the way that the director posed the whole piece the whole baseball piece how yes people thought it was a circus they they thought it was a circus, and he basically had to show him show him no no no, <laughs> I'm going to work well, as hard think, here as I did as a basketball player, and he he would have made it if baseball didn't f itself up. My goodness. Yeah. Well, I think one of the most interesting parts was when they were talking about they had to put him yeah. with the Barons because yeah. the facilities weren't ready for the media. Yeah, that's a real I mean, thing. I think that was- I mean, you've yeah. been in minor league games. Can you imagine some of the lower oh, minor league levels? Can you imagine somebody of that magnitude? He couldn't even he couldn't even walk through London or Paris, these massive yeah. cities. Could you imagine him in like you know this, just a small hobunk town where they would go crazy? Um, 
yeah, it was real. Baseball was real. And the, and if baseball hadn't been on strike and, and basically forced him into another competitive situation, which is exactly what happened. Um, and by the way, anyone who follows baseball, um, we, you know, we've had cousin Dan on a couple times now. He's a diehard in- Indians apologist. Terry Francona is the real deal. If Michael Jordan sucked, Terry Francona would have gone on a camera last night and said, Michael Jordan was never going to play baseball. It was all, you know, he needed to get his mind off his father. Terry Francona would have been blunt and upfront. That's just the guy he is. He is a nuts and bolts guy. Terry Francona did not say that. He said, this guy's the real deal. He works as hard as anybody I've ever seen. And if, if the timeline had been correct, he would have made himself to the, he would have made it to the major leagues. That's real. Terry Francona is a real, real baseball guy. So that's high praise. I'm t- I, I, I assumed that was going to be the case when uh, we dove into that a little bit more because I remember vividly watching him, and he, he took ridiculous strides. And I loved how they framed the whole breaking ball setting because yeah. oh, that, that is – Look, we had this discussion when the s- sign stealings came up. Anyone who knows a fastball's coming can play baseball. <laughs> but – you know what I mean? It's how do you it's how do you react to a breaking ball? How do you predict or see a breaking ball? And then can you hit a breaking ball? Can you hit it to the opposite field? So when you're stealing signs and you know a breaking ball's coming, that's half the half the battle. We saw Jordan in a, in like a 45 second clip struggle with the breaking ball, and then you you heard all these people basically say he spent six months <laughs> learning how to hit a breaking ball, learning how to see a breaking ball, and all of a sudden he's making his way up and mashing home runs so i uh i I just love that i mean it's just this little snippet of jordan's life but it says everything (laughs) it does nobody goes from that you know from one to the other and is on track to become professional i mean bo jackson was doing that his whole life jordan took 30 years off or you know 25 years off from baseball and just decided on a whim i'm gonna go do this now and did it (laughs) it's nuts it's just nuts. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, the, the timing of everything is really interesting. I mean, if the uh, strike didn't happen, totally, he played baseball, the Bulls wouldn't have gotten three more championships. There wouldn't have been a 72-win season probably at that point. Right. So a, a lot of things have happened because of the, uh, a different league Because of the baseball strike. strike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I think Griffey was going to hit about 75 home runs that year. Ridiculous. My, my favorite baseball player. And then the Jordan situation. It was a mess, that strike. Um, so it's, ama- it, it's amazing what one thing can, you know, have a yeah. butterfly effect on other leagues and other players. And so, yeah. So, uh, you know, in the open here, Scott, I discussed the Major League Baseball's plans. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Um, there's, it's been pushed to a vote. It sounds like mid-June there's going to be some sort of semblance of spring training, either in your hometown stadium or in a designated Arizona facility. And then July 1st, July 4th, it's going to go. They're going to prorate salaries. They're going to reduce uh, down to about 82 games. So you're going to get about 50% of your salary. There's going to be a 50-50 split on revenue because of the no-fan situation. And there's going to be 30-man rosters. 20-man taxi squads, and 14 playoff teams. That's the proposal going to the Players Association right now. Any initial thoughts on that? Let me, let me, let me pose it this way, because you live under a basketball hat. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty much what we're going to see from the NBA in a week or so here? Outside of the – now, baseball is going to try to play ball games in the stadiums. 
they're going to try to play, you know, your, your Nats are going to try to play in Nationals Park mm-hmm. versus I think the proposals we're hearing with basketball is going to be like a Disneyland kind of thing, right? Yeah, Orlando, Vegas, some other have come through. I mean, but nuts with, and bolts with wise, the NBA. you think it's going to be similar? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't even know if they're even going to be able to finish the season. Okay. Uh, I mean, it. Yeah, did you hear Shaq yesterday? Today, well, I was going to get there. Shaq came out and said, just cancel the season. Yeah. Uh, today uh, was the 61st day since the ending of the season. So the force majeure. Uh, they had to agree to extend that because it has been past 60 days. So they've, um, per reports, have agreed on that to extend through September now. Really? So everything's officially going to get pushed back. Um, well, that's got to be good news then. If they're agreeing well, to that, it means they think they can play ball. That or they're just buying themselves some time to see what is actually going to happen with everything else. I mean, they're saying per medical people that end of July, beginning of August could be another huge outbreak flare, whatever. So this is just buying themselves more time to see if they can even get the rest of the season in and give more contingency plans. Uh, On top of that, uh, May 15th, this uh, coming Friday will be the first day that 25% of the salaries will be withheld from players. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Adam Silver came out and had said on his phone call with uh, the with owners and uh, the Players Association, 40% of their revenue comes from game night stuff. So, I mean, that's a pretty big chunk of money that they would lose if they didn't have games. But I think the fact that they've extended it back is just buying themselves a little bit more time to see what they can and can't do. Um, but... As far as comparison with baseball, I mean, from from everything we're hearing, basketball is probably going to try to go with something where it's either in Vegas or Orlando or something where it's more self-isolated to have less uh, less movement. So if baseball's having teams play in their own home park, um, you're going to have more movement in that aspect. So... I, I don't know what the right answer or the right move is at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to speculate anymore. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's all hard. it's all just it's becoming not frustrating, but almost pointless to, to discuss. That's why I sort of wrap my head around this this baseball plan, because there's at least some sort of outline now. Right. We have some sort of semblance to what baseball is actually going to try to do. And, I, and I, you know, I'm trying to stick away from the what ifs because. We all know the wives. We all know, you know, the difference between Kansas and New York right now, and the diff- you know, and what might happen in July is, might be different in September. I mean, all that's real, but I'm just sort of attaching myself to this outline because I want to. I want to be optimistic about it, and I like what I've seen. I, I like that they've expanded rosters. I like that they've thought through pretty much the basics uh, to every degree, and. You know, did you're, they, you're right. They didn't mention did anything it, about the travel. So that's all going to have to come well, forward. Did, did they mention anything about if they start playing and a player ends up no. 
having the virus and no, they're not going to release for fourteen. Days. No, they're not going to release that information um, until they have to. I don't think. Uh, of course, they have a plan in place, or but that's mm-hmm. that would be the worst to have all of everybody go through all of this, right? You get and then you get yourself into a couple of games, and then something goes wrong, and you have to shut it right back down. That's just the. Uh, I, I mean, we're definitely seeing if, more leagues trying to open up i saw a notification this morning that uk has said they can teams can convene or practice or whatnot we've got what nascar is going to be kicking back here this coming weekend i think yeah golf golf is in a month weeks bundesliga is going to start yeah over there yeah it's so i can they're trying summer they are trying. I, it's it's too hard to speculate. I've listened to a bunch of basketball stuff as far as, you know, what the salary cap is going to be, what rookie scales are going to be, what free agency is going to look like. And we, we can't no. talk about that or Car speculate at all. Yep. Right, because we don't even know what the revenue is going to be. It could be, like Adam Silver had said, it could be $10 billion, it could be $6 billion, and either way – you can't speculate at all right well, now until I, I was thinking about that too, Scott, because one of the things, because it's interesting that the bit that owners and players are going to, I think, agree to this 50, 50 revenue split. And I was thinking to myself, what, who, why would that be a, why would that be such a thing if there's so much revenue lost? But you know what I was thinking about? If baseball is the only thing on and it's on every day, mm-hmm. the ratings are going to be massive. They are. I mean, you're going to have all these networks buy it up, buy up every night. <laughs> I mean, if it's well, that's why, you're going to get 80 games on TV. That that's just not the case for baseball. It's been a dying, you know, a dying thing for from a TV standpoint. It's been localized more than any other sport I can think of. So, if you can get 80 games and sell that right now to TV networks and corporations that want to advertise, that's going to be money that they never anticipated they'd be making. So there is that right now. If they can get, if this, if this plan can come to fruition, there is that. That's sort of why the NFL is operating as is right now. Or speaking as if it is. Yeah. If they can get to September and they can play games and say, there's no college football, no college basketball, NBA can't start until December. I mean, Everyone's going to be watching it, and their ratings will go up after Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Else. They're going yeah. to own it. Right. So yeah. if baseball can get any semblance of games, I mean, people are home. They're looking for something to watch. I mean, I know a lot of people watch the UFC over the weekend uh, because it was so the, sports. And, and, and what's interesting is now that I'm kind of quickly thinking in my head here, it is a localized sport, baseball. We know that. We, we we know that you know I'm not waking up to watch Oakland Ath- Oakland A's games. This is not happening, even though I'm a diehard baseball fan. But the way they have this thing laid out and outlined, Scott, is you're going to play your division and your corresponding geographical division, which means we're getting a ton of Mets Yankees, we're getting a ton of Angels Dodgers, Mike Trout versus mm-hmm. that Dodgers team. And if you start to yeah. think about the matchups, it's pretty darn good TV, really. It's TV we, yeah. we we won't have seen on a regular basis in this game yet. Mike Trout against the Dodgers a lot. Mike Trout against the Astros a lot. Great. Let's do it. Um, so there's a chance that this could really work as long as the what-ifs don't become what-ifs, right? Um, right. But, yeah, there's there's some positives here. Uh, so I'm not going to get let, – let's get off that a little bit now. I talked about it a lot in the open, but I just wanted your quick thoughts on that. Last thing on the last dance before we move on. Uh 
he's been on a bunch, and I want I wanted to mention Steve Kerr is just so impressive. He is um, just in every facet. He wasn't the best basketball player. I watched him a lot, um, but he was he was a you know a role player, and he was certainly good at what he did. That's why he stuck in the league for so long. He made about sixteen million. We've got him on the site. He bounced around a little bit. He started with the Suns, quickly went to the Cavs, ended up with the Bulls for that run, and then he finished, I think, in San Antonio, which just seems like a perfect fit for him, by the way. Um, you know, ending up in that kind of a, a, a dynasty, in, in that kind of a system, and then now knowing what, what he's been as a coach, it's just, to me, that's the perfect transition. It's, it's like Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, leaving New England, becoming some sort of front office exec and building another dynasty for the next 10 years. That's sort of what, what it feels like a little bit. Um, but man, has there been, I started to just look at Steve Kerr from, a, I mean, talk about it like a 30 year run here. He's like 470 as a coach, some absurd amount of number. It's some crazy number because of what he, he fell into with this warrior situation and what Bob Myers has built him really. And, and Oh, by the way, I mean, you prefaced it in September when we discussed if the Warriors were going to tank. That's coming true. No matter what happens, they're going to be one of the worst teams in basketball in 2019. So this, that whole Warriors dynasty is only going to get better. It, it, it can't not because if they trade it for right. a player, they're going to get better. If they trade Andrew Wiggins for a pick, they're going to get better. They have so many ways to improve on this already, they, already ridiculous con, you know, system. Yeah. Man. He's just uh, even if they draft someone too, they're. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, you you might have the number one or number two overall pick, which I know it's not a great draft, but they're going to get better. <laughs> they're they're going to have sustainability. He has just uh, man, he's picked some really good situations to be involved in. As, as I guess my point, he he went to TNT after he retired. He was phenomenal as an analyst. He kind of settled into that immediately. Jumped ship and tried to run the Suns, which well, I guess that we can call that an. <laughs> We can call that a, a negative on the on the uh, on the bedpost if you want to say it, and then decided to quit that because the Warriors and the Knicks were calling. He almost went to the Knicks, by the way. He almost went to coach the Knicks. Do you remember this? <laughs> I and don't. He, he turned him down at the last second and took the Warriors gig. Oh, I do because didn't Phil call him and say yeah. don't take it? Yeah. Yes, I do remember yeah. that. Again, like where's that documentary? <laughs> right. Uh, but just Steve Kerr as an individual, I, I, I've seen him now every weekend on this documentary, and of course we've, you know, we've talked about him plenty. Just a fascinating lifespan here from being involved in these Bulls teams, like I said, going to the Warriors and getting early on in their, in their start, and then these post-playing career decisions, phenomenal. And well, I, I tried to do some work on his contract as a coach because I know we have his initial contract in there, five for 25, he extended that about a year and a half ago, and it's rumored to be about $8 million a year. But nobody, no, there's been absolutely no report of how long it is, and it's on purpose. He's been, he's, interviewed, he's been interviewed saying, you know, I'm not disclosing that. And in Phil Jackson ways, right, we don't know how long this guy can actually sit on a bench anymore because, I mean, if you remember, Phil had those back issues. He just, yeah. he just physically couldn't travel with the Lakers anymore. He had to quit. He had to walk away. I think there's some concern about Steve Kerr in that as well. Just the, the dots that keep getting connected with this guy and these greats, you know, as you go along in his life. It's just really, it's really fascinating. And he couldn't be a less fascinating person to talk to. You know what I mean? He's, he's very by the book. He's very matter of fact. He's, he's great. 
but he's not polarizing. But his, he lives this life. He's lived this life that's just so damn interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think it was it was I think it was great that he came out and stuck up for himself against exactly. MJ and yeah, I mean, punched Jordan in the face. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. You could have stopped right there and been interesting, but no, you had to go and become the head coach of arguably the greatest <laughs> team in the history of basketball. I think I think there's yeah. a lot of people that would say the 2017 Warriors are just that. Um, only only person to have played and coached on a 70 win team. Yeah. Yep. Mm. So we'll see if that ever gets broken, <laughs> or if he gets if somebody joins him in that. I should say. Um, but just a super interesting career for sure. Hope, I hope he's in in these last couple episodes a little bit more because obviously he was a big part of this. You know, the last three championships, so which were heading towards now all right enough basketball talk let's get into some football it's the off season which is crazy confusing for a lot of people who don't sit here and read this stuff every single day like i do so i really just want to kind of shed some light and scott if you want to just kind of ask questions um you know questions that come up with you as you read the nfl data on spot track or you know see things on twitter um uh, and then if you just want to throw them to me i know there's been some questions on twitter that we've taken today we can get through some of those at the at the back end of this but if you just have any, any questions from your standpoint or things that you know are confusing that you want to throw my way, I'll, be, I'll try to detail that in as much as possible here over the next couple of minutes. And then we'll move on to some of the rookie contracts that were signed and things like that, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, so I know a lot of people are sometimes confused with top 51 versus all cap space. Yeah, so we show those two things separately, and that does come up a lot. You're right. That's a good place to start. So there are two iterations of team salary caps with the NFL. There is the full salary cap, which is every dollar that's allocated towards every single player, whether that's dead cap, whether that's suspensions, whether that's active roster, you know, players that are on the exempt list, all that good stuff. The, 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 the full cap space, the total cap space or total cap allocations on Track, that's everything. When you're in the off-season mode, which is basically, you know, the first day of free agency through week one, through the first week of the team, that's only the, fi- the, the 51 top salary caps are allocated. So if you're looking at an active roster right now uh, on your favorite team on Track, you're going to see we've got 51 cap hits that stand out. Everything else below that is going to be super scripted out. It's going to have a line through it, which means they don't qualify towards the top 51. Now, if there's guaranteed bonus, signy bonus, that has to inc- be included in the top 51. So you'll see that sticks out in like a superscript. Um, so when you're referencing this, the salary cap pages on SpotTrack, that's how we, how we reference it. We've got 51 caps that are counting towards that, any bonuses below that, and then uh, that's what you're going to get when you see your 51 allocations in your top 51 cap space. But that, that sticks throughout the entire offseason until we get to week one, and then it flips the switch, and that's when everybody has to be compliant with total cap space, and that's when that one comes into effect. But we like to show both so that you can kind of see where your team sits immediately and down and down the road and then obviously the total cap allocation that's where you start to factor in rollover so if your team has you know three million of total cap space right now we're already rolling that into the 2021 situation so as you start to look forward on spot track that's why you're seeing some sort of adjusted salary caps and things like that but as of right now and if you're thinking about you know how much cap do we have to sign Jadavian Clowney it's top 51 cap space that's what that's what matters the most so it looks like Cleveland and Miami uh, have about 
39 or so million dollars uh, in cap space here. And then you have all the way down with the Atlanta Falcons with only $172,000 right. yeah, right. in. Um, yeah, they've had to restructure Matt Ryan twice already this offseason, believe it or not, just to make make some dollars and cents kind of all, yeah. all fit in here. But uh, yeah, Cleveland's Cleveland's got a great roster, which we sort of highlighted last week on our show, Scott. And they're in financial shape as well. They've got good financial health. So all the signs are there for teams like Cleveland and Buffalo and, and the Colts to really take a step forward. Um, you can throw in teams like the Dolphins and the Lions and the Bengals as well, but I just think they're, they're years away still from, you know, truly competing. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe Stafford's healthy and that team really does push forward or, you know, I wouldn't assume Dwayne Haskins takes a big step forward, but maybe Burrow is phenomenal. You never know. But, yeah, I would say Cleveland and Buffalo and Indy, in terms of contenders, are in the best financial health right now. Okay, that's good. Which one is in the worst outside of, obviously, Atlanta's really up tight with uh, well, the threshold It right hasn't now, been talked but... about enough, but the Patriots. The, the Patriots generally live 15th, 16th, 17th on this cap list, almost consistently. And when you start looking at the positional spending, it's the same thing. They spend about you know, about middle of the road on quarterbacks, about middle of the road on wide receivers, and then down the road from there. That's just, and, and I've had shows where I've outlined that they are very, very balanced uh, generally from an offense versus defensive standpoint. And it, uh, you know, it, it reflects in the decisions they make. That has not been the case. We saw a draft where they went just crazy into the trenches uh, on seven or eight picks. Free agency, that's sort of aligned with that as well. They accept a franchise tag on a guard, which is obviously high, high pay. And there's really no word that they're going to extend him. I, I think they would trade him before they extend him, if I had to guess. Uh, but they're, you know, they're under two million. They've been under under, they've been around a million dollars worth of space for weeks and weeks and weeks this entire offseason, really. So when you talked about how Gronk put him over a barrel when he requested the, demanded the trade out of there, they, they didn't have a choice. They couldn't even take on Gronk's cap hit when he unretired. So they had to trade him. So whatever they could get from, they were going to get because they're just in a bit of cap hell right now. Now, certainly they can get out of it. They can extend Joe Thune and get out of that franchise tag. They can trade him. You know, there are, there are paths forward. But they seem pretty content at just being up against it and working with what they have. And if I had to guess, I know last week, Scott, you mentioned there's probably a Patriots trade coming. Outside of trading that tag, I'm not so sure this year. I just think this is one of those years where they're really just going to say, Let's press down. Let's see what we have in, you know, these couple of first-round picks that just have been underperforming. You know, Sony Michelle, Nikhil Harry, players like that. They do have a defense that can, that can keep them in some games. I, I, I just really want to think that they're going to push forward with what they have, and the finances don't matter to them right now because they're not going to make other moves. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's a team I outline for sure. And then, of course, the Chiefs. They've been, they're always in cap trouble. They're always right up against it, but it's because they spend. <laughs> they just generally do. They gave Sammy Watkins a decent uh, salary cut because they wanted to keep him in the fold. They did not want to break this thing up because they love what they have. Obviously, it worked last year. They think they can squeeze another year out of it. So they're, I'm sure they're pleased to be right up against it. They probably think they need a cornerback, and there may be a trade coming Kansas City-wise, especially now with the draft of, uh, of the running back. I wonder if there's a couple of pieces in the offense that do get moved out, and that frees up a little bit. But I don't think they're in Logan Ryan or Jadavian Clowney's market because of their cap situation. Okay. Now the dead that we're looking at dead money 
Carolina has 48 million in debt. Jacksonville has 37. The Rams have 24. This dead money that we're showing does not include the post June ones yet. Perfect. Correct. That's perfectly said. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. This is a bit jader at this point because it does not reflect those June first, um, June first designations. As I've said a bunch of times now, those guys have to stay on the active roster with their full cap until June 1st. So Todd Gurley counts $17.25 million for the Rams right now. That'll come off, and it'll be significantly less than that. It'll be about 11.5, I believe, 11.7. 11.75 will be the dead cap hit for, for the Ram for Gurley in 2020, which will mean $36 million of dead cap for the Rams this year, which should be probably third. When it's all said and done, unless we're seeing some big... Uh, some big releases in the next couple of weeks, which I wouldn't anticipate too many more. But I'm guessing the Rams will, will be third, right behind Jacksonville and well behind Carolina, who took they took some lumps this year. They certainly releasing Cam, and then the, the retirement of Luke Keekley was a big, big dead cap hit as well. So they're in transition. By the way, I, I've, I've been looking at some offseason projections, Scott, not to trail off too far here, but Washington and Carolina are the favorites for the number one pick in 2021. Oh, really? Interesting. I saw yeah. the Chargers on one the other day. So I know we had a, a quick little segment on who's going to suck the most in 2020, and we were we were sort of <laughs> struggling with that. But you know, Vegas now has chimed in, and that's where they th- that's where they stand. So I, why it would be unbelievable to me, Scott, if Washington spends all this money and it's it's cash on these quarterbacks, right? On Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> um, Kyle Allen, and then you know possibly more depending on what happens, and then still are the worst team in football. That would be unbelievable to me. It would be. Would they just cut bait and everybody at that point and draft Trevor Lawrence? You have to, right? You have to. Yeah, I think you would have to. You just hit the reset button at that point. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You're going to pay like $10 million to <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. It, it would be Josh Rosen all over again with Dwayne Haskins is what it would be. Yeah, it so, would. But I think that's probably that, that's where Vegas thinks they're trending. What if you're Carolina? I mean, if you're the worst team in football, it's because Teddy Bridgewater's not working out, right? So it has to be, yeah. So you're you're going Trevor Trevor Lawrence as well, and you're just gonna bench Bridgewater. You're gonna play Jacoby Brissett with Bridgewater and just pay him a lot of money to be a backup for a year. I guess that's probably the case. Or try to trade him. I mean, he's got ten million guaranteed next year. He's fully guaranteed this year, of course. 10 million guaranteed next year. Yeah, that's probably that's tradable. Because that's just high backup money. It's cuz if, if you think about it from what Nick Foles ha- uh, did, he had 21 million guaranteed remaining in Jacksonville. The Bears basically took that and split that over 3 years to give them some cap relief. So he's still going to get his guaranteed money, but it's not all going to be in this year like it was recently set up in Jacksonville. So that's that's exactly what would happen with Bridgewater. Basically, somebody would come in and say, instead of one for 10, we're going to make this two for 10. You're still going to get fully guaranteed, but we're going to pay you like a backup and you can compete for the starting job, you know, whenever we need you to. That, to me, that's what's going to happen if he's not working out. But, man, those are two really polarizing teams that be projected to be number one overall. <laughs> Just because of everything we now know with Alex Smith and how he's dying to get back. Well, I mean, what if he wants to get back and they have the number one pick? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the video of him? Yeah. The other day? Yeah. Working out? Did you yeah. watch the documentary yet? I did. Man. 
Yeah. I'm rooting for him. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say here. I'm rude for him. So if he and his, yeah, be, he's overpaid he back, now. I mean, he's overpaid now, though. But they've paid 70% of this contract out with, with it being guaranteed. So I guess you could just, you know, you could you could restructure him down to something you believe in a little bit more and just have him be on the roster with Trevor Lawrence, I guess. Sort of an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my God, are we going through this again with him? Are they going <laughs> to draft his heir apparent and then ask him to play the entire season just like they did with Mahomes? I guess, I guess that's what it would be. Groundhog Day. Actually, that's a phenomenal story. I want this to happen now. I hope I hope I hope it happens. Let, let me ask you this while you're on Alex Smith. Is there is there a reason why they haven't or should they do a restructure with Alex Smith's contract to help a little bit or s- spread it out a little more with some extra years or just wait and see if he even comes back? What what are your thoughts? Well, if they were going to do that, Scott, they would have done that before the, the league year started because he was injury guaranteed up until March 17th. But now okay. that now that salary is fully guaranteed as of March 17th. So he's going to make his $16 million, whether he steps foot on that field or not. Um, you know, outside of arbitration, but it's a, it's a football injury. There's just there's no way out for the Redskins, if I had to guess. I, I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, we saw it here in Buffalo with Eric Wood, the center, who had a fully guaranteed salary. After I mean, he really recently just got himself extended, had a foot, and then had a neck injury that, uh, you know, forced him to retire sort of instantly on the team. There was some arbitration, some back and forth. There was some semantics and some legals, legalese that got involved. <coughs> Excuse me, because there was some concern that this was a neck injury that happened in college or weightlifting, and it was sort of building up, and it was this sort of uh, regenerated thing that came to fruition you know, in the middle of a football season, but it didn't necessarily happen on the football field. So in that regard, there was some hope, I think, from the from the Bills insurance company <laughs> that they could get out of this thing. Not sure they did. I don't think there's any way out of $16 million for Alex Smith because it was a football injury, and he's been a good soldier certainly through all of this. So I think Dan Snyder is just going to have to pay that out. Um, so you could you could restructure that salary, and push some of the dead cap down the road if you needed to. But the Redskins aren't in, in really any kind of cap situation where they would need to do that. I think you just kind of swallow it this year, hope he can come back, and then you've got two non-guaranteed salaries of $41 million, $42 million, sorry, $40 million. So he's got two for 40 remaining, but it's non-guaranteed. That's where you could look at him and say, hey, man, you know, we are going to draft Trevor Lawrence, but we're, we'd love to keep you on the roster at you know, one for 12 or whatever it's going to be and that's where you can renegotiate whatever you need to do but he's locked in through 2020 yeah um what else you got so going back to well i was gonna say going back to the real quick the the dead and posing guys as june 1st how how many guys does that usually apply to as the new league year kicks in are we just talking about a handful of guys or is it a, a few per team or uh, we well, can only have one per team. Okay. Although did that change in the new CBA? I'm going to have to look into that. That might be my bad on me. I'm, do do most teams usually pose a June post June 1st, two guys. No, or no, it's rare. Uh, okay. it, because it generally means you're admitting a mistake, which 
Believe it or not, <laughs> Scott, NFL owners don't like to do. So No, they don't. Yeah. I'm going to try to look right now and see how many we had this year. I don't I, I don't think it was more than five, uh, but it might have been right at that number. So it's Trey Burton in Chicago, the tight end, Todd Gurley in the Rams, Rashad Jones, the safety out of Miami, Tremaine Johnson, the absolute bust for the Jets. We had Desmond Trufant, the cornerback in Detroit. We had Matt Khalil. No, that's last year. That's it. Five on the dot. So there you go. Okay. And in 2019, it looks like we had one, two, three. We had four. So that, that's about the, the going rate right there, four to five on an annual basis, which makes sense. Like I said, you're not going to have too many teams. Uh, generally speaking, it just makes more sense just to keep the guy. Or you've prepared for it. You knew it was coming. For instance, the Jets, the, the Jets probably could have been smarter about this and cleared some space last year and just taking all of Tremaine Johnson on in 2020. But I, I actually understand what they're doing. They, I think they think they can win some games. <laughs> And they want to give themselves some flexibility to be able to sign potentially a Jadavion Clowney or a player like that late here and make a big push. Because I think the AFC East is wide open right now, as we all can kind of assume. So that's the that's the the debate, really, is it, you know, do you want to take it all now, which we've seen a lot of teams opt to do, like Pittsburgh with Antonio Brown? Or, you know, do you want to push this thing out a little bit? Is it just too much to take on right now? And does it really take away from your ability to operate in a single year? which that's generally, mm-hmm. that's generally the case. But four to five a year, we had five this year, and those players will fall off and convert into dead cap money June 2nd. Okay. All right, yeah, let's let's transition here to NFL rookies. Um, one thing I know on our site that we have is the NFL rookies, uh, to make it clear for everybody, is the values that go in, go in once they're signed. So if you go to the Buffalo Bills page, we have draft pools at the bottom, Eventually those will disappear, but those rookies will start to count as soon as they're signed. So I know you've been putting in a bunch of uh, guys that have signed. Any interesting information, yeah. caveats, uh, or it's is a it really good, standard? No, it's a really good point first, Scott, that our draft pools do not count towards the salary cap allocations yet. Um, it's just a decision we made. They, of course, will count once they signed, but until they do, I, I want to show it as in as real time as possible. So I understand that the second they're drafted, there are slots for them, and we do show those slots. And like Scott mentioned, we do have a table that shows projected draft pools and each individual cap for each individual draft pick for each team. Uh, But those are references until they've signed. Once they've signed, they will become an active roster salary cap. And, oh, by the way, they, uh, for the most part, you know, unless you're a top three, if you're a top 100 player, you're really not going to factor into the top 51. If you're a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, your, your cap's going to be so low that you're going to be one of those slashed out cap hits on your team's page. So it's really the big ones that we need to focus on in terms of damaging the current cap situation for a team. For instance, just as we uh, hopped on this call here, Scott, two assigned. So that's a big, big one for Miami. That's the number five overall pick, which if you go to our draft tracker, uh, spottrek.com slash NFL slash draft. We've got a filterable draft tracker that shows every projected contract for all 255 draft picks. You can filter that by your, by your team and see your draft pool. Anyone in purple is projected. Anyone in black is an officially signed contract. So that's how that, that will work there. And then if you f- transition over to the team page, you'll see, for instance, Tua's $5.5 million cap hit for 2020 on the Dolphins to cap table now. Uh, pretty good situation for Miami. <laughs> 
uh, getting this guy, keeping Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have Josh Rosen, by the way, which I don't know how much longer they're going to do that, but he's fully guaranteed this year. And they also have Jake Rudock, who that's a pretty solid college quarterback right there as well. Um, it's like $16 million for four quarterbacks in Miami in 2020. So, And they won some games. They won some games with Fitzpatrick. I love that Fitzpatrick's the guy who's going to be in that locker room with Tua. It's just such a good – I mean, Fitzpatrick's taken such a beating over his career, and he's gotten back up, and he's won seven games every single time. It's just he's a gamer. He's a vet. He's a gamer. I think he loves to, to give out information. I think he'll love to be able to sit with Tua and just talk to him about how this game works and operates from inside and out. I love that situation. I hope they keep those two things intact. Pretty much all of Fitzpatrick's contract is guaranteed because he hit escalators in, in, 2020, in 2019. That's how nice of a, of a second-half season he had in Miami. He actually earned himself about $3 million more guaranteed this year because of what he did last year to finish it off. Oh, by the way, beating Tom Brady in New England. Uh, so that's a good one-two punch. Like I said, keep an eye on Josh Rosen. That's a name that could get tossed around. He's fully guaranteed. They're probably going to look for a trade partner. I'm not sure if there's any any juice left in Josh Rosen's camp, but that's the he's the third uh, the third quarterback in Miami right now. So if you look at Tua, let's get into the nuts and bolts of these rookie contracts. Basically, how it works, and this is slotted. Okay, this there's really no negotiation. The, there's the small negotiation that exists really happens with the first rounder. So Tua is a good example to look at here. This is a four year, thirty point two million dollar contract. He's obviously high in the first round. He's number five overall, so he's fully guaranteed. No matter what, fully guaranteed, unless he gets suspended, and that's a big deal now. That's a big deal with the, with the last couple iterations of CBAs. We saw this with Leonard Fournette, by the way. Leonard Fournette's base salaries last year and this year are no longer guaranteed because he was suspended for that ridiculous, didn't show up to the game, said some things, had a weird locker room incident, didn't show up. Whatever it was, he was suspended by the team and per that suspension, it wasn't drugs or DWI, it was team suspension. His salary guarantees were voided. So that is the risk that these first rounders do run. Uh, so we say fully guaranteed, but it's up until that point. So $30.2 million fully guaranteed. He gets a signing bonus of $19.5 million. That'll be split over two years. We, we do our best to figure out when those pay dates are, but really nobody with a signing bonus over $10 million gets it all in one year. Generally, teams for financial accounting purposes like to split it over a couple of years um you know i would i would uh, an easy way to guess is it's split half and half he's gonna get about 10 and 10 this year and next year but for all intents we call it 20 you know 21 almost 21 million dollars earned this year for tua being drafted number five overall then the other caveat with these first rounders and a lot of them take it he's got straight minimum base salaries for the next four years 610, 780, 895, and a little over a million dollars in 2023. Those are fully guaranteed. And for the next three seasons, 21, 22, 23, he's got training camp roster bonuses to offset it. So what it means is he actually doesn't get paid his full salary until the, for the start of training camp with Miami. Why do, why do teams do this? Why do players agree to it? Really, it makes the, it makes the contract more tradable. So, yes, it's all guaranteed. He's going to make the money from someone somewhere. But generally speaking, if you've got roster bonuses, he can get that paid August 1st or July 27th. He's got a $1.2 million bonus the summer of 2021, which will be paid in training camp. Miami's going to pay that, and then he's owed $780,000 the rest of the season. So if you're going to trade that player, 
right? If, if it's an instance where Tua needs to get moved, he's not making two, two and a half million dollars. He's making $780,000. So you prorate that over a 17-game season, which I'm assuming is going to be in 2021, it's less and less and less that has to get traded, has to get moved. It's interesting. It gets, it gets cash in guys' hands earlier, obviously during the summer. It's a moniker to make him more tradable during the season. It's just uh, I, I think guys and agents have figured out that the more, the more pay dates there are, right? If, if instead of getting payments all you know, twice a week throughout the season, let's move around the time when we get money allocated to us for safety purposes. It's, it's stability, but it's also control and flexibility. So I think it's a really important thing to keep an eye on as you look at these top draft picks. You know, if they've got minimum base salaries, they generally speaking will have training camp bonuses to go with that, and those will be fully guaranteed. So that's how two is structured over the next four years. Is there any reason for some of these players to wait to sign the rookie deal? <laughs> because it's slotted. Um, and I know the, the other question I have is is – that comes up is the offsets. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. So that's, that is the reason to wait. If you're, if you're arguing with a team about offsets, so here's what offsets are. And we've seen it a lot. We saw it with Todd Gurley, for instance, Todd Gurley's do a $7.5 million roster bonus from the Los Angeles Rams. That was fully guaranteed in March. And they decided to cut him afterwards. By the way, they still haven't paid him that money, but they only have, they only have to pay him a little over 5 million of it because he went and signed cash with, he, I think he signed for $5 million with the Atlanta Falcons, which, which $2 million of which was offset. So of that $7.5 million roster bonus, a little over $2 million of it contained offsets, which means if he went and signed for $2 million somewhere else, which he's done, the Rams would be off the hook for that. So that's the offsets that the rookies are pushing for. They want to be able to double dip is what I'm saying, okay? They don't want offsets. They don't want offsets. They want to be able to say, okay, this thirty this thirty point two million for Tua is fully guaranteed, and if you cut me, you're paying me that, and I'm going somewhere else, and I'm going to make money there. I'm going to make that money too. Um, there's a lot of back and forth, especially with a couple of the higher picks, especially in the positions that are very that are more injury risky. You know, your running backs, your defensive ends, things like that, your inside linebackers. Um, generally, guys like to double dip if they can, and they they try to push away from these offsets. But for the most, for the most part, um, you're going to see offsets built into almost all of these contracts. It's just, it's just the way of the world, and uh, you know everybody needs their protections at this point. We're not any closer to fully guaranteed contracts. None of that stuff has really improved, and I don't. I'm interested to see how that discussion, Scott, comes forward from this COVID-19 situation, because we're having. You, you know, if you think about it, Scott. If, if the NFL has to start cutting games, it's going to get really ugly <laughs> from a financial standpoint because there's no mm-hmm. certainties. I mean, especially these guys that are just fighting for roster spots. I mean, they're going to be cutting down to ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 earned in a year if we start prorating games. You know, if they're making two, 3000 a week and there's 10 games, that's not good math. <laughs> that's not good math. So um, I just wonder with you know, the, the discussion of offsets and the slotted rookie contracts, there are there is sort of a formula in place now. You know, can you start to formalize the veterans like you and I have talked about that the NBA has done and put this thing, because, I mean, I opened the show with, you know, baseball's outlining something here, but this, isn't, this is just a foundation for 
what leagues are going to be doing now to prepare for this kind of thing. This is where everybody's reacting because nobody was expecting this. Nobody was ready for this. It is structuring veteran money in football going to be a way to make it easier to handle th- situations like this going forward, pandemics. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. teams like, you know, leagues like baseball and hockey, everybody knows the structure. Everybody knows exactly how everybody else is paid. And when you have to eliminate or percentage the, the money, it's sort of in unison. Everybody just comes down together. That's not the case in football. That's just not the case. I mean, you've got X players who are 80% guaranteed versus a treasure trove of players who are 0% guaranteed. And, you know, you're going to have agents and lawyers and, and legal teams basically saying, yeah, well, that's fine. But, you know, we were guaranteed this portion and whatever, whatever it's truncated, if it goes past that portion. I just, uh, in my head, I, I know I'm going too far down the road here, but it's going to be a nightmare because of the inconsistencies. The reason you have all these questions for me with the NFL is because it's so complicated. It's because it's so non-uniform. Every player has a different situation outside of these rookie scales, which is nice and clean and easy to read and easy to anticipate. All the veterans and all the UDFAs and all that stuff, they're all different. They're not one size fits all. So if we get in a situation where you start chopping games or moving games around or things like that, it's going to be a financial disaster. So I wonder if, as we, as we discuss this rookie scale and how clean and neat and tidy it is, if one of the ways that leagues are going to want to safeguard themselves is to create this kind of structure with all their players. That's all I'm saying. Mm, interesting. Uh, so with the signing bonus, they get that signing bonus right away. So is there reverse of what I just asked? Is there more incentive for them to sign now to get that signing bonus in their pocket yeah. so then yes. they can roll it over or invest and do what they need to, to bury it in the know, backyard, man, <laughs> bury yeah. it in the backyard. Um, that's my expert financial advice right there. Yeah. For sure there is. Before they cancel the season entirely, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I assume that's what you were leading to. Yes, of course. Get your money. Um, if you're a UDFA, I, I hope you got as much signing bonus as absolutely possible and t- you know, didn't get jerked around into a lot of guaranteed 2020 salary, which might not even happen. That's, I guess that's sort of the point I was making with the variances, right? I mean, you've got all these different players who have contracts structured differently, and yeah, if you've got a bonus that's due, go get that bonus for sure. Sign that contract. Don't f- you're going to see you might see less fight for offsets because of it this year. You know what I mean? They might yeah. concede just to get this thing under contract because there's so many unknowns. Just get the money in your hand. Yeah, good point. And outside of rookie scale contracts, I mean, you talked about the prorated if they are only able to play 10 games or anything like that. I mean, I- have you seen or do you foresee some of these free agents that just signed doing some kind of restructure if they had per game bonuses in there or, um, you know, no, have you seen anything like that? No, but it's a really good question. And and it's one of the reasons I've been pushing against those for a long time now. I mean, you're already forfeiting the guarantee. You know what I mean? You're already you're already eliminating yourself. I mean, generally contracts are like 45% guaranteed. That's probably on average with veteran cor- veteran contracts right now. So then, in in addition to that, you're going to agree to as long as I'm healthy, you can pay me. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. And and Scott, to put your last two points together into one into one point, 
I hope we see more early roster bonuses instead of active bonuses now because that is what players and agents should be pushing for. Give me that money in March. Get it to me in March. I don't want to have to worry about this offseason crap because this stuff can get taken away pretty easily. It didn't take too long to go virtual here, you know? And, and I guess it's a point mm-hmm. we can make about Tua's roster bonuses too. Tua's roster bonuses are training camp dependent. But what if there's not a training camp this year? What are we going to do with those right. roster bonuses? Are they going to be convert to week one bonuses? Are they going to just, if you log into Zoom eight, you know, 19 days in a row, you've completed training camp certification? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, it's, I, I realize it's all different and, and unique this year, but yeah, there's a lot of reasons for NFL contracts to button up, to tidy up. So sub- subsequently, have you seen anything where, because the free agency was in the middle of this shutdown okay. and guys have been signing, have you seen anything where they're using it percentage of games of a season instead of, nope, you know, nope. 10 games or... You know what okay. I've seen it, Scott? I've seen it for next year. I mentioned that there's probably going to be 17 games and a lot of people are assuming that. So they're... They're not actually saying they're not actually doing the math out of any any game set. They're basically saying if you've got an active roster bonus for 2021, it's worth six hundred thousand dollars, whatever that means per game. You know what I mean? So if it's yeah. if it's out of sixteen or seventeen, the math will do itself at that point. So the cap calculation on that will be a little bit uh, fuzzy until we know how many games we played and then obviously how many games mm-hmm. that player is eligible for. So um, I've seen that, but I have not seen. It's a question I asked Shane Costa a couple of shows ago. Basically, have we seen any safeguarding for, you know, COVID protection? I mean, what if one player tests tests out and can't play the rest of the season? You know, right? What happens there? So there's just a. I, I wonder how much these contracts have language. I have not seen anything specifically at this point, and I have not seen anybody turn percentage based because of the possible chance that there's a truncated schedule. No. Yeah, I, I was I, going into the betting part. I mean, I, I don't know if we've talked about it offline. I can't remember if we've talked about it online, but, you know, some of the sports books, instead of saying 10 wins or yep. 11 wins, at what point are they going to get smart and say 50%, 60% because of the unknown of how many games? And I'm looking right now at FanDuel Sportsbook, and they still have them as – uh, seven and a half wins or 11 and a half wins. They haven't converted over to percents yet. So they're, you know, if a team say they only get 10 games and you pick the 11 and a half for the Baltimore Ravens over, I mean, you know, some people are going to lose some substantial money or win substantial money because of, uh, uh the situation of, uh, you know, it's really funny not being played your, your per game, percentage point is spot on because we do see that with incentives we see snap percentages we don't see a number of snaps (laughs) you know what i mean it's not it's you don't get paid the bonus if you make 300 snaps it's if you pick 75 percent of your team's snaps that's really the only place i can think of where we see percentage of season and you're right that's it should be everywhere that's another thing that's absolutely got to get buttoned up now now knowing what we know even in the NBA, I mean, I know a bunch of guys that have incentives are based on number of games played or number of wins, and they're not based on percentages either. Usually, a percentage is based on free throw or three point percentage, but when you, I've put them in as far as games, it hasn't been percentages. So, once things are 
up and running and new free agents start kicking in uh, when we get to that point. It'll be interesting to see what kind of incentives uh, if they include it as games percentage or not moving forward. Yeah, I, I think for sure it's a change that's going to happen. You have to safeguard yourself. And that's an easy change. Yeah, you do. That's an easy change. It is. Right? If you play 100% of your, uh, of your games, you get $600,000, and it comes down from there. Um, that's fine. Yeah. That's an easy one. All right. A couple of Twitter questions, and we're out of here. What do you think? Uh, I saw yeah, sure. A, I saw there was a question for Tua. We've outlined that contract. You can see, check that on spotrate.com right now. I've got that broken out. And like I said, you can see all the projected four-year contracts for every draft pick on, on the draft tracker, spotrate.com slash NFL slash draft. And if you go backwards, you can see all the already signed contracts from previous draft picks as well. Uh, there's, there's actually a question here that Scott surrounding the betting you just talked about. What happens if I bet the Steelers to win the Super Bowl? This is Gucci Dan. What happens if I bet the Steelers to win the Super Bowl and there's no season? Do I get my money back? <laughs> I think you better. I think you better reach out or, or read the fine print on your uh, whatever site you bet on there. First of all, yeah. Or if it's your brother you're betting with, you know, get your money back. Um, what sports cap financial rules do I find the hardest and easiest to understand? This is Chris Bernuccia. Bernuca. Sorry if I screwed that up. Boy, uh, well, I think I just did <laughs> 35 minutes on the NFL, so that's a pretty easy answer because that's, that's clearly the toughest. Although some of the NBA stuff, Scott, with the exceptions, that yeah, can get is. pretty uh, aggravating because it's not one size fits all. You've really got to be manual. It's based on what was spent the year prior versus what they're currently spending versus, and all that stuff is tradable. Those are everything, tradable everything, entities. <laughs> everything is extremely time sensitive. And, I mean, we saw that prorated, with the last right? free agency. And prorated, prorated during spend season. Eighty yep. percent of it on one person and then trade it. Yeah, and you're yeah time sensitive. They've got deadlines, not just you know the end of the season and the league year. Yeah, that to me those are those rank up there well, with even, most annoying e things to cover. <laughs> Yeah, e even roster, I mean, going back to the free agency with when do they trade Anthony Davis to because of cap purposes and having room and signing maximum and all that. So uh, all the caveats that are time sensitive and you have to know when a certain rule applies and when a certain rule does not apply. Yeah, exceptions so. and cap holds in the NBA are just so they're not easy to they're not difficult to understand. They're difficult when you factor them into the grand scheme of things. When you have to Correct. include those along with active salaries and dead cap and not only try to formula, formulate a cap space mechanism for right now, but a fluid cap space mechanism. You know what I mean? Like what happens mm -hmm. after eight days when this exception you know, f falls off or what happens if I trade this player, then I sign this player using the exception, then I sign this player using free agency, then I sign this player with bird rights. You're right. The timing, the timeline, the order are all factors. Well, and it's very difficult. And oh, by the way, to all of you who have asked, this is the reason we're working so hard in the backside with it, an NBA GM roster tool. And we're not just throwing something out there that we have kind of half built. We are, it is in development. It exists. We have Google spreadsheets with all of these timelines built out. <laughs> I promise. Scott and I have had multiple discussions on this over the past year, 18 months or so. It's going to happen at some point. And I know many of you are looking for it, but these are the reasons. These complications and these, the fluidity of it are why it's so difficult to build one tool to, to allow you guys automatically do this on the fly. But uh, we're working hard on that for sure. Scott, <laughs> not to put you on the <laughs> spot there, 
All right, one more. Let's take one more here. Yeah. I, I saw a couple of good ones. Uh, quickly, 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 quickly. Yeah. Chris C., what are we looking for in terms of talent pool for the free agency season next year in the NFL? I know. It was a bad one this year. Uh, there's no way around it. That was just a, it was not a great crop. And to be honest, many of you had Jadavian Clowney as your best free agent available. He's still available. <laughs> so the guy who we are all kind of looking forward to in March did never, hasn't been signed yet. So that's how bad this free agency has been for the, for the NFL. I don't know. I mean, next year, we had such an interesting quarterback offseason. It's going to be hard to put any other players up against what we just went through. But depending on what happens with Cam Newton, I'd imagine he's going to be a name to watch next year for sure. Um, any other names pop out you there? There's a couple of running backs, but I, I can't even put those guys as interesting free agents anymore. You know? Mm, yeah. I mean, so obviously some of these guys are uh, – Pending like Dak. Or yeah, anyone on a tag. Chris, Chris Jones. Yeah. Any any yeah. of the tag guys are top of your list. Dak Prescott, AJ Green, uh, Leonard Williams, Chris Jones. Yeah, those are those are of course your top free agents right now, and that's all patent pending with what happens on you know in the July fifteenth deadline. Outside of that, yeah, Scott, any any names that pop off the page here? T.Y. Hilton's interesting. If he could stay healthy, he can certainly help some teams. Keenan Allen, exactly same conversation. I guess I guess you know in terms of tag guys where De Derek Henry ends up is interesting because he's not gonna I mean he's gonna be twenty eight but yeah I think uh, Keenan Allen I, I can't, uh, and then some of these tackles I mean yeah uh, yeah they're getting they're getting older but Trent Williams we know the situation with him getting traded to San Francisco they're gonna play it out what's gonna happen with him yeah uh, Russell Okung uh, with Carolina. So it, it, that that's always something that teams are looking for as far as, you know, their offensive line. And especially with all these young quarterbacks coming in, they want to make sure that those uh, that line is shored up. And well, and I'll say this too, guys. Scott, because I've I mean, I'm into it now. I'm quarantined. I've been reading some of the 2021 mock draft stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll admit out loud. It's another good year for tackles, offensive tackles. Okay. You're going to have four or five quarterbacks, and you're going to have five to six, maybe seven offensive tackles again. So if that's the case, that, that's not a good sign for veteran tackles ready to hit the offensive, ready to hit the free agent market if you can yeah. get, get it on the cheap with a high draft pick. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's names out there. There's plenty of names. It's a, I'd say it's okay. a – because of the players that were tagged this year and because of the uncertainty about who is going to get extended, like Matt Judon and Bud Dupree, um, certainly Derrick Henry – I'm assuming Dak's going to get extended. I don't know if Leonard Williams will. So what happens to him next offseason? There are, I mean, there's 10 players right there on on franchise tags that could turn into really polarizing, nice free agents in 2021. So I'd look at it from that perspective and be optimistic about it for sure. Uh, my, my last question with these free agents would be is, what do you think is going to happen with Von Miller? It looks like he's got a club option here for 17 and a half million base salary cap hits, uh, a little over 22. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think they exercise that or extend him? What do you think is going to happen with him? Or do we, they, we talked about that not. roster with cousin Dan last week, Scott, and how, unless you, yeah. you're probably not thinking about it, but if, all, if everything goes right, that could be a really good team. And if they're a really good team, they're also a really cheap team. That entire offense is dirt cheap. 
I mean, your top two wide receivers are on rookie contracts. Your quarterback's on a rookie contract. Philip Lindsay will need to get paid if they keep him. Melvin Gordon's fully guaranteed for next year already, so you, you could have him in the fold, certainly. And then you got tight ends that are cheap on rookie contracts. So if you've got all those guys cheap, you can certainly handle Von Miller if you if if he can play, you know, still play at a high level. Um, he's going to be 31 this year, going into 32 next year. If anything, he's going to get extended. I mean, mm-hmm. he's probably pushing for it right now. He's probably an extension candidate right now, maybe on a little bit on the outside looking in. But yeah, we're probably talking about a guy who's going to get a three, four year extension into his mid 30s because the rest of that roster is so young and so cheap. You're going to have to keep a couple of the veterans in a fold and players you, you can pay some coin to. So yeah, I would expect him to get a contract extension over the course of the next calendar year for sure. Okay. All right. Good stuff. My thanks to Scott Allen. My thanks to Fantasy Pros. Visit fantasypros.com slash spot track dash NFL. Get yourself going on your fantasy roster, mock drafts, start sits, dynasty, who's going who's gonna to be your keepers, all that good stuff. There's just a million tools to use. And, uh, and oh, by the way, start looking at your baseball stuff too because it sounds like we're about six weeks away from live baseball. So if you're getting back into FanDuel and DraftKings and you want to look at how players are being priced, those things are already there. The data exists. Most of the offseason moves are done. We were ready to get this thing going, in, you know, in, in early March there, and uh, you know everything got shut down, of course. So dive into fantasy pros from a baseball per- perspective as well, because that sounds like that might be the first big sport to get off the ground here if everything goes properly. My thanks to the Athletic. Like I said, check out a couple of these MG articles on theathletic.com and visit theathletic.com/spottrack for forty percent off after a ninety-day free trial. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.